Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. It is abundantly obvious to me that there is an agenda to exterminate eroticism. The agenda to exterminate Eros follows the same agenda to destroy God and belief in God. And you may find it trivial or maybe even impossible to attempt to destroy God or any belief in God, but it's an ever-present goal and it's on track for utter discombobulation. It's a sinister thread that has been woven into the fabric of our society, our American society. And while you may believe the fabric of America is frayed and unraveling, I would say that it's being stitched together by powerful seamstresses and tailors, those who would rather patch America back up in the form they deem best for the greater good, instead of the tedious process of removing the phrase and extending the hem. I have written countless times about the importance of Eros. I have tried to demonstrate that our God is an erotic God, a physical, sensational, touch-proximal God. It is by way of physical connection that we experience the fullness of God's love. Eroticism is not simply just sexual connection, but sense connection. Closeness, curiosity, vulnerability, intimacy. These are the components of Eros. But have you noticed how much time has been dedicated to convincing you to stay away from others? This is an act of erotic destruction. For two years, Americans were convinced that being in the company of others might kill them. We didn't go to work. We couldn't hang out with loved ones or friends. We couldn't attend gatherings or celebrations, weddings or funerals. We hid in fear that some invisible disease would destroy our bodies and kill all of our grandparents. We were masked, isolated, and pumped full of fear and anxiety. 
How could this not affect the way we interact and interface with others? While many of us saw the corona crisis for what it is, a plot to destroy small businesses, control the citizenry, increase consumable revenues, many are still locked in fear that connection will lead to death. More fears are being pumped into the collective vein of the citizenry. We have now seen that our own government is not only encouraging, but affirming and ordering that children join in on the extermination of Eros. Biden plans to sign an executive order to expand access to sex change treatments to children. The Health and Human Services will be forcing insurance companies to pay for the sex change surgeries for children. In California, if you do not affirm your five-year-old's gender confusion, you may be charged with child abuse or child negligence. In some states, public schools are encouraging children as young as four to hide information from their parents regarding sexual discussions in the classrooms. In some states, they are creating what is called a come into the closet hour, where children as young as kindergarten age can go into a closet and play dress up and pretend to be the opposite gender that they are, all endorsed and encouraged by teachers. Is a double mastectomy on a 12-year-old girl considered progress and justice? Do we encourage and affirm love by allowing our 14-year-old sons to chemically castrate themselves before their brain has even finished developing? This is not the type of erotic education that I had liked to see gain popularity. In fact, this is a blatant exploitation of Eros. The recent invitation of drag queens to dance for children at libraries, schools, parks, and churches marks the ultimate perversion of sex education. None of what is taking place in our current society surrounding sex education can be considered erotic evolution. It is an erotic retardation. The agenda to confuse basic reality has been successful for millions of people in this country. But for the rest of us, we are not so easily fooled. We know that calling a man in a dress a woman is a blatant lie, a degradation to our dignity, because we know the truth about biology. It doesn't make it any less overwhelming, though, does it? I know that I have been struggling to make a strong connection with my own close relationships. There's a lot of noise and nonsense clogging up the airwaves, and it can make it rather difficult to secure a stable connection or even engage in a sensical conversation. The pandemic of pedophilia and perversion is not over, but there are things that we can do individually and internally that can help us reconnect and encourage a true awakening of Eros and ultimately a true awakening of collective consciousness. For the last few months, I myself have been struggling to connect with my husband and my children and my friends. I've been trying to implement collaborative efforts that will help us secure our support system for the better. The first step requires distance from devices. I know that so many of us are entirely too addicted to our devices. We are constantly checking updates, notifications, emails, texts, etc. But to install a stable connection with people that we love, we must disconnect from the problems. The first thing that I recommend is that you start spending time outdoors, especially with the, those that you love, and try going barefoot. There is a beauty in going barefoot, especially putting your feet in the dirt or on the grass. That's where you can feel what some people call the Tesla energy. 
But it's not only that. Just walk on the grass. Touch a tree. Examine a leaf. Watch the clouds dance by. Observe how the trees move in the wind. Do you have a bike? Why don't you take a bike ride with someone you love? Don't make it a competition. Make it contemplative. Observe the way your feet push the pedals. Notice how the wheels spin around. What does the warmth of the sun feel like on your face? Notice how your body feels being moved through space with ease, gliding, riding that bicycle. Is your riding partner smiling? Doesn't that look wonderful in the sun? Maybe you don't have a bike. Hold hands and take a stroll. Is there a park nearby? Go find a swing set and take turns pushing each other. Pretend for a moment that you're not an adult with responsibilities. Be childlike and swing your stress away. Do you have access to a pool? So many of us forego swimming as we grow up and take on more and more responsibility. But we are born of water. Why would we avoid it when things get difficult? If you can, find a place to take a dip. Baptize yourself in the water. Say a prayer or a meditation while swimming. Splash your kids. Kiss your partner underwater. When you get out of the water, let the sun warm you and dry up all the water. Sit there and reflect. Be grateful for the ability to swim in water. Many of us have a lot of grass in our yards, and it serves no purpose whatsoever. Funny thing is, grass is useless. Grass is an ancient, aesthetic, appraising institution of fuckery, foolery, and bullshit. Do you know why grass is a thing? It's a way to show others that you don't need to grow your own food, that you can pay somebody else to grow food for you. And so your grass can just look pretty for you to frolic about. But most of you never frolic in your grass. Instead, you spend probably one sixteenth of your salary every month paying for the water to keep it looking green so your neighbors don't say anything. Why don't you consider turning all of that grass into a garden? Turn it into a garden project for you and your family to collaborate on. Turn your grass into something useful as a plot of land that you can grow your own food from. With the looming food shortages, why not start implementing self-sustainability while also incorporating some form of natural meditation and collaboration for connection? What about cooking? Do you and your family cook together? Do you even cook? Consider cooking with your spouse or your children. It's a truly connective experience. The energy you create in the kitchen can be injected into the food you prepare. Be mindful of the energy you activate while dicing the onions or pressing the garlic. I always meditate during dinner prep. I think about how nutritious and beneficial the food is going to be once it's done. I pray over my food as I prepare it, and I evoke healing energy to be served with every delectable bite. What about exercise? Do you and the people that you love collaborate in exercise and movement? What about yoga? Stretching? What about dancing together while listening to music with your partner or your friends or your children? It's a great way to cleanse the energy in the environment. Deep breathing exercises can also be implemented and surprise, surprise, deep breathing exercises help lower blood pressure and relieve stress and also brings you into the present moment. It's one of the most present moment activities that we can do and we can do it with someone else and that doubles the activation and the energy. What about projects that you may have been procrastinating? I find that the more projects I collaborate on with my husband, the more empathy and grace I develop for him. 
Each project does bring about new challenges, but they also bring about a deeper understanding. When my husband and I collaborate on something, such as building a new raised garden bed or planting our autumn garden seeds, we get to see in real time how the other thinks and responds to new ideas. What about chores in the house? When we do chores in the house, here at my house, everyone is involved. On Monday evenings, we all work together to empty all the garbage and recycle and get it out and get it out to the driveway for pickup the following morning. We all take turns vacuuming the levels of the house. We take turns cleaning out litter boxes. Sometimes we do it together. When we do laundry, we fold it all together and put it away together. And every child takes turns swapping loads to bring the next load to the dining room table to dump out so we can all fold and hang up and distribute and put away together. Collaboration creates connection. One of the next collaborations that I would like to implement into my family is because we're avid tea drinkers. And when I say avid tea drinkers, I mean holistic healing tea drinkers. We grow and dry a lot of herbs for tea and we've kind of built up quite a quite an herbal closet, what I call my witch closet. We're also interested in developing our chess skills. We play a lot of strategy games in our home and I thought it would be fun if we combine the interests and make it a thing that we do together. Tea and chess. I'll let you know how it turns out, but I'd like to make it a twice weekly event. I know that the trending mantra has been that silence is violence and you should always be moving your mouth and expressing your opinions and stating your claims and your positions and your principles, but I would like to offer you a different suggestion. Utilize silence. Sit in it. Many of us don't do it. And it seems absurd. It seems pointless. Why would anyone sit in silence? Especially if silence is violence. But sitting in silence is a great way to restore arrows. It's a present moment activity that forces you to listen to your thoughts. Consider how many times a day we try and swat so many lingering thoughts away. Because ain't nobody got time for that. Or so we have been convinced. Like... We've been convinced that it's not important to sit with our thoughts and register them and look at them and examine them and be skeptical of them and dismiss the ones that are stupid. Sitting in silence with your own thoughts and sitting in rest without purpose are two exceptional ways to build up an erosion of arrows. Being with the self and the most intimate thoughts of the self can be very liberating. Eros energy is liberated energy. It's free energy. Do you allow yourself to be free? Consider meditating on this phrase. I've used it. I am free to be me. I am free to be me. I am free as me. I am free. I am me. One final erotic solution worth mentioning is this. Explore curiosity. Ask the questions you want to ask. Don't be afraid that someone will make fun of you for asking it. If you really don't know something, admit to it. We discover so much more about ourselves and the world when we have confidence in curiosity. Curiosity is an energetic component of eroticism, and it's a radical weapon against tyranny. Don Miguel Ruiz once wrote that we should be suspicious of all ideas, including our own. If something doesn't sound right, or if it just doesn't make sense to you, or if it contradicts what you've heard before, speak up and say something. We cannot interrupt the attempts of extermination of eroticism unless and until we ask questions and examine all possibilities. 
It is not a requirement of humans to have all the answers, but we mustn't fear asking questions anyway. The freedom of speech includes the freedom to question authority, especially if you can see that the authority is trying to extinguish Eros. There are several ways that we can embrace the erotic rather than exploit the erotic. I realize that it sounds easier said than done, but the truth is we cannot control our external reality. We can only influence what we are intimately connected to. This is a fundamental truth of Eros. It is activated and influenced by physicality and proximity. To restore eroticism, we restore our deepest, most intimate connections. Eventually, we create patterns of behavior that are beneficial to combating the attempts of erotic extermination. And we also create an erotic model to be imitated.